HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here at Beer Sessions Radio. It's Tuesday, July 14th, 2020. We're doing a remote recording in our uh, studios from home. I'm here up in Massachusetts visiting family, checking out breweries like Night Shift. But we've got a call from uh, Joelle and Matt at um, Uptown Beer Society about their great new collaboration that was scheduled to come out on, Port- on Puerto Rican Day, Parade Day. Um, so we're going to talk with everyone. I'm going to go around and we're going to talk first with, with Kelly of um, Big Al. So, Kelly, will you introduce yourself and tell us about how you started the project? Hi, thanks so much for having me. My name is Kelly. I'm from New York. I lived in Puerto Rico as a kid. I came back to New York. Um, I've been in the beer industry for a little over four years now. I currently work for Big Alice Brewing and I've been there for over two This project started just simply because I noticed immediately in my time in the industry was women and Latin women and Latinos in general were very underrepresented. Um, So this was a a beer, like I had a few different ideas for a Puerto Rican inspired beer. And I started to share those ideas with John and Dom last year. Finally, I felt comfortable enough to send John an email with a whole bunch of different recipe ideas, different flavor profiles for Puerto Rican recipes, and we landed on Palante. So, Kelly, so just back us up. So what is your role at Big Alice Brewing, and is is this a normal uh, process of coming up with beers at that brewery? I have been a bartender there for two years. I'm also the curator for their art gallery in the Barrel Room down in Industry City, Brooklyn. And I think that one of the best things about Big Alice is when you have any idea, it's important to share that because they're listening. They're always listening for new ideas. Um, So it was harder to share these ideas with other places I worked, but here they just welcomed it. And even when the idea seemed complex, 
it wasn't an automatic no. It was kind of like, oh, we'll see. Let's see. And I just appreciate that it took a while for it to come to fruition, but it was still an idea that they were willing to sit on, think about, and eventually take that risk. So we, we know that, I mean, just with your collaborators here, uh, Joel and, and Matt, um, you know, we've talked about driving culture forward and about, you know, Latinx culture in, in New York City and the Bronx. Um, how does this beer represent that? Like, wh- what are the flavors? What are the inspirations? Um, is this a beer that you, you would have drinking in Puerto Rico or this is just more of a, an inspiration? You want to come in, Joel? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like Kelly said, there was a bunch of ideas thrown on the table. And um, the one that made the most sense um, to brew was um, a, a dulce, which is like a rice, sweet rice pudding dessert. Um, it just made sense because it was like the, the, you know, the primary we did, the spices and the rice, blonde. And then um, I was just like, how do we make this more Puerto Rican? I was just sitting there like thinking, 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 how do we make this beer more Puerto Rican? And I was like, what if we barrel aged it? And I was like, I know a distillery in the South Bronx, good friends of mine, Port Morris Distillery. I was like, he's, you know, he can only make, I think one, he'll tell you the process. I think it's one or two times that he can age his moonshine in the whiskey barrel, which is called Añejo. And then after that, it's like, you know, they either like somebody picks it up for something. Um, I don't, I think he did a beer previously with somebody. I'm not sure, but I was like, if we barrel age it in Añejo, just, you know, it would get those really rum, like boozy notes and we could sit on it because we were talking about this in like December. We could sit on it the whole year. Obviously we didn't know there was a quarantine um, and release it for the Puerto Rican day parade. So after, you know, after we like transferred the beer into the barrels, we added the raisins and the vanilla beans um just to like sit and kind of bring those esters out of what you know the rice pudding dish is actually tasting like in our homes well it's it sounds great and uh how is it going over i mean it's been out now for a month is it all sold out or is it still available yeah it's sold out um it was a small batch so everybody got a few cases from each account craft culture taproom 307 since i'm there got it um and i believe the two big alice locations and uh bronx tavern which is right next to port morris distillery it's there um there are other bars as well it was super successful though no it's great and joel it's it's a great image everything about it is special we're going to get to it but i want to talk cesar from craft culture in queens cesar tell us uh your involvement in the project and um you know how, how it did for you at your bar but also what it means to you to be part of this project uh, in all honesty, I have to tip my hat to to Joel and 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 um, and especially to Kelly. Uh, they got they brought me into this. I I, I didn't have too much in, involved in the development of it. Um, I was basically a labor <laughs> a labor worker that day, um, and I appreciate it because it was my first like actual hands on brewing experience. Uh, and it definitely opened me up to a couple more opportunities in the future. So uh, I'm very thankful and appreciative of. of being able to be part of that um as far as how it did at craft culture it, it actually flew really well um a lot of my a lot of my customers are happy to see us involved um I, i'm i'm personally not puerto rican but a lot of my my closest friends my 
my wife uh, and and a lot of a lot a lot of people in my um that are my customer base are Puerto Rican or half Puerto Rican. Uh, so it was good to see them get their representation out there. And I just, the only shame was not being able to enjoy this like as a full celebration, like we wanted to do it for the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Yeah. Let's go back to Kelly again to the, you know, the, the origins of this project. Um, you, you're working with friends of Puerto Rico. You know, there, there, there were some issues before COVID and that, that, that were, were big time and Puerto Rico has been hit hard. Um, seems like the last 10 years, it's been forgotten by so many people. Um, just tell us, you know, some of your thoughts on that. I, I agree. <laughs> Puerto Rico is so complicated and it's such a, it's so infuriating for me because everything just turns into a political bargaining chip for people, for politicians. And it's annoying. Um, these are people we're talking about. The quality of life there is very poor. And I, I'm looking for organizations and businesses that want to inform and educate people about Puerto Rico, the history, what it means to be a Puerto Rican person. Um, and there are no right or wrong answers. I'm not in favor of one thing or the other. Um, I recognize what the benefits could be of certain things or what the cons could be to those things as well. Um, Friends of Puerto Rico came on my radar when once the beer was approved and John said, do you want to collaborate with people? And I said, yes, I have just the group. And he said, what about any charitable organizations? And John explained to me at that time, you know, he said he would welcome that, that oftentimes when they brew beers like this, especially, for example, the Pride beer, they have contributed proceeds of the sales for some of the proceeds of those sales to organizations that have helped. Um, so they just wanted this to extend to the Puerto Rican culture. So I reached out immediately to a lot of my childhood friends, people I grew up with in Puerto Rico, some of them who are still living there and are struggling, and they don't want to leave because that is where they're from. That's where they're born. That's where their families are. That's where their homes are. And just because they could probably get something better, so to speak, in the States doesn't mean that they should have to leave Puerto Rico. Um, so Friends of Puerto Rico is a small organization that was founded in 2015 by a group of friends who had come together to create um, a fundraiser for the Museo del Arte, the Museum of Art in Ponce, which is on the southeast side of the island. They had wound up raising $20,000 for that, or that event and decided that they were just going to keep doing this. And their initiatives have grown. They work with children to help them uh, financially find stability, to educate them, to make sure that they have placement in schools, that they have the funds to do that. And then especially over the last four years with Hurricane Irene, Hurricane Maria, and the devastation that caused, um, people left the island, doctors were leaving the island because they couldn't do anything. Um, just all, teachers left because they couldn't find work anymore. Schools were closed down. It was truly devastating to that island and to the economy and to the people. So they were, it was my childhood best friend who said, you should look into this organization. I know for a fact that they're flying people off the island who need it, people who need medical attention, older people who needed to get to their families in the, in the States. And they were also working with other organizations. And now I'm learning how 
deep their roots are and how they are work. They have tons of partnerships now with a lot of Puerto Rican businesses and a lot of non-Latin businesses who care about what's happening and who want to support that. So Friends is pretty amazing. Um, their initiatives, again, are just, you know, very wide about, so you know, uh, it starts with a lot of kids, but they're just working um, across the globe with anybody who is willing to participate. Kelly, your Instagram is at VEDHEAD. I'm a big fan of yours, just so you know. <laughs> Thanks. I'm a big fan of <laughs> but, uh, yours. <laughs> well, I'm glad you let, – let's, let's go to Raphael next for a second. So, Raphael, give us a little backstory on the spirit that you make uh, that's Puerto Rican in origin and some of the, you know, the, the terms – other terms that are used for it, this type of Puerto Rican moonshine and how you got started in, in, in the Bronx. Hey, um, how you doing? I'm Ralph Barbosa. I'm co-owner of Port Morris Distillery. We're located in the South Bronx. Um, we do a spirit that's called Pitoro. Pitoro um, is a Puerto Rican moonshine. Um, it's actually our drink of choice on the island of Puerto Rico. Um, most people, when they think of uh, Puerto Rico, they think of Bacardi. Um, I'm here to tell you we don't drink Bacardi. Um, we drink Pitoro. That's what we do. <laughs> Um, the way we make it is with, um, New York apples and honey, and, um, we just create different flavors of with it. So, um, um, we're known for our coquito, coconut. We do a ginger, a habanero. Um, we also do a, an añejo, which is an age version, which is, um, why Joel called us to use our barrel. Thank you, Joel, for the, for plugging us on and Matt. And, um, I just met Kelly and Caesar today for the first time. So, um, um, nice to meet you guys too. Um, and, um, Actually, Kelly, um, we might be trying to steal you so you come work over with us from Big Alice. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'd love that. Um, um, I, I think you're stupid. Though. But, but Ralph, how, so, so how has it impacted your business? I mean, are you, you know, you're selling the the beer at the the distillery. You're well, um, well, well actually, we, well, actually, we sold out. Um, we got lucky enough. Um, Big Alex, instead of giving us what they gave everybody else, they gave us two more cases because we own another bar. Um, I don't know if you guys knew that, but um, we got the hookup, so we got two more cases, and we sold out in a day. We sold out in a day and a half. So um, the Saturday, the day of the Puerto Rican Day Parade, which was supposed to happen that Sunday, um, we actually opened up for the first time, and um, we did everything to go, and so a lot of people did come over, and the Palante beer was sold out that day. So um, it did really well. Um, what I do have to say about the beer is um, I wasn't there when they were making it. I had no idea what was in the recipe. Um, I can tell you by the, my daughter actually said she runs our social media and she said she hoped that she had a video, the video running when I actually cracked the beer and tasted it because it just brought me right to home. Like it brought me to my childhood. Um, the the con dulce, like you can just taste it, the remnants of of my childhood and my mother, like giving us, you know, you know, the, the con dulce. It was an amazing beer. Everybody loved it. I mean, it was a, it was a totally big hit. So, um, you know, we were just glad to be a part of the collaboration and glad, you know, that we were able to give um, our Anejo barrels to someone and have them just create something that, that nice and that, that cool. So b- back to Joel or Matt, you know, how did you get those flavors? You know, how, how do you make a beer taste like arroz con dulce? Um, <laughs> I mean, we looked at Kelly did a good job and the brewers and everybody at Big Alice just looking into the recipe. Kelly hit her mom up and her family. I looked into some things and I'm a big like coconut vanilla guy. I think those flavors really bring things out. And I was really pushing like we should add this in the barrel. We And, you know, 
it's a risk. You don't know, you don't know what's gonna happen. And they did, you know, the vanilla, the coconut, the raisins, and it just it, it literally, if you have coquito from Port Morris Distillery, which is like a thirty five percent, um, kind of it's kind of like a better Malibu. I don't even want to call it that, but they make a coquito version. And when I smelt, when I cracked the beer and smelled it with Matt, it was like, yo, this just smells just like their coquito spirit. And we tried it, and like you know. It's pretty much our favorite beer we've ever done just because like everything was on point from like the sourcing of the barrel to the ingredients to the people a part of it to the liquid, the consistency of the beer, the flavors weren't like exaggerated, but they just it was just so perfect. And yeah, if Matt, if you want to chime in a little. Yeah, yeah. I actually want to give a big shout out to Big Alice too. They did an amazing job, uh, you know, putting together the recipe and actually brewing the beer. Um, and a big shout out to John from Big Alice for being so forward thinking in so many ways. Um, a lot of the times when you do beers that are connected to different cultures, um, I feel like it's a very thin line between extorting, like exploiting someone's culture and, and, and you know, making profit, but not necessarily supporting or uplifting. And uh, they, they've been very forward thinking from the beginning with even with mentioning to Kelly about uh, including some charitable organizations and. And really letting us, you know, take take creative control and uh, make the best possible beer that we could have made. And how, what do you think of the beer, Matt? I mean, Matt, g- give yourself some credit. T- tell us where wh- where you're working or, or will be working, because you're you're a you're one of the top beer guys. I That's know, a, so. thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm at the Grand Delancey currently. We were shut down for a while. Grand Delancey's a a bar in the Essex Street Market. I mean, those guys are pretty incredible. The guys that we work with, uh, from Greg Anger to Alex and Sam, and and the whole team really is is a phenomenal beer team. And uh, I'm also in Bushwick currently in a, in a new vegan restaurant called The Gradient. I'm actually uh, planning on uh, giving them a big overhaul with their beer program and cocktail program. And yeah, we've been busy these days, but we're really trying to push the Uptown Beer Society agenda forward and really spread love and and do things that are cool for the culture and, and, you know, for beer in general. Yeah. We always remember to come back to the Bronx. That's why like PMD was so important. We wanted to do something with them for so long. And I was like, this is the perfect opportunity to do another thing for our borough and involve our borough. So yeah. And Bronx beer hall came on the brew day and we were just mashing in and you know, the deal. So when did, when did you, you go, Matt, when did you decide to bring in Port Morris and, you know, age the beer in, in barrels. Well, they wanted, they originally wanted to age it in like a rum barrel, but I was like, they ain't nothing rum Puerto Rican in New York. So I was like the closest thing, which is kind of like a rum is a moonshine, except for the New York apples and honey, which make it a moonshine. And it was like, duh, Raphael's distillery, you know? Yeah. We're blessed with a lot of cool friends like Ralph and uh, you know, the guys at the beer hall and Kelly. So we, whenever these things happen, uh, we always kind of look back at, at our network and our family to see that who, who, can, who can we involve and who can, you know, elevate whatever, whatever it is we're trying to achieve. So uh, yeah, Ralph and, uh, and Kelly and, and everyone really pulled this one together. So all credit to them. So then who's going to tell me about the word Palante, what it means, why you picked that for this, this project. Is that Kelly? 
Kelly should go here. <laughs> and it's crazy because it just fit with the theme of what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 before Kelly even goes into it, it's just amazing how that, you know, that phrase kind of worked out so perfectly in today's climate with, you know, all the madness going on. In the I world. loved it. Um, so I knew when I was coming up with the beer and on our collaboration day, when we were all standing together and we were throwing out a few like initial ideas, I had had two ideas in, in mind, but I knew I didn't like them, but I knew that they were going in the direction of where I wanted this beer to go and to represent. And so the, the words I had chosen were unidad, which is unity or comunidad, which is community. And I loved it because the first thing these guys said when they walked through the door, Joel and Matt were like, oh my God, we've always wanted to brew a big Alice. <laughs> and like, you know, and it's always flattering to see John and Dom get excited. Like, oh, cool. We're working with new people too. And this is a challenge. And this is, it was a risk because of the ingredient base and how it sort of evolved. Um, but Palante was Anthony's suggestion. Um, and when, and we all went back and forth and I had gotten real political using like Puerto Rican poets and quotes from them. And Caesar's like, can we use someone who's alive? Like, here's a really awesome quote from, you know, a Puerto Rican politician. And I loved Anthony's email because in the email he wrote, some are in line with the message of resilience. And when we landed on Palante, it just made sense then and then in June, when everything was happening, it really just blew up to me, especially I feel so I, I think I can say I relate to what they're saying is, you know, what it means now is not necessarily what it meant back in January and February, but what it has become is so beautiful and so meaningful. I think that we really do represent something beautiful, like that we that we are breaking down a lot of barriers that we're working together that this is not a one-time collaboration. I'm hoping that this opens doors for everybody in a lot of different ways. Um, I know Friends of Puerto Rico works with a liquor store in Georgetown, D.C., and that owner wants to get Pitoro and Port Morris distillery products in that store to represent Puerto Rican culture. Um, you know, it's just... Hey, 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 Kelly, for the English-speaking friends of ours, could you explain what palante means? Oh, yes. It just means move forward. I, I'm sorry I didn't start with that. Palante means to move forward, and it has always been used to represent, like, just getting forward, moving forward, um, getting ahead. I, I would love to bring the group together on a yearly basis and just kind of do this uh, with different diff – try different things with, with, um, with Port Morris barrels. Um, always in you know around the, around the Puerto Rican Day Parade time, so that people know that this is our time. Absolutely, and, and it's great. Let me, just, Ralph, just on that note. So, Pitado, uh, how do you serve it? Is there like a house cocktail you make it with? Is, is it served neat? Give us a couple couple of ways to drink it so I can get into it. The añejo would be preferably, um, um, you know, should be neat or you know. Um, if you want to do it on the rocks, um, but I but I prefer neat. Um, so it falls more like an aged whiskey or aged rum. Um, right now, right now the añejo is a little over four years. In October, it'll be five years old. The barrels that we pulled from. Um, and since we're not a whiskey or a rum, um, we get to play around with our añejo. So um, we we draw from multiple barrels in order for us to create batches. So what we'll do is, um, if we have a twenty-five gallon barrel, we'll draw about two or three, four or five gallons from that barrel. 
and draw from like four or five other barrels just to create a 40, you know, a 40, a 40 batch bottling run run. So, um, yeah, so, you know, it neat. Um, if you want to do a cocktail with it, it, you know, something more like a rum and Coke or something like that would be good with it or ginger ale or, um, or people just play around and just create, you know, different cocktails with it, but I prefer it. And then the, you told me the history of like these types of moonshines, which is distilled spirits in Puerto Absolutely. Rico. What, what are some of the other names that it goes by? So, um, um, depending on where you are on the island, um, my family and our culture, you know, we, we were born and, you know, raised drinking Pitoro. Now I'm not going to say born, but we were raised drinking Pitoro. Um, so, um, in, in our town, it's, it's, it's called more Pitoro. Um, the biggest name for it will be Cañita, which is, um, known all, all over the island. Um, Pitriche is another name, um, Lagrima de la Montaña, which means tears of the mountain. So, you know, when moonshiners are distilling, they use the water from the mountain. So, you know, that would be another name. So um, depending on where you're on the island, it can be called um, um, multiple names. And how was it for you opening a distillery in New York? And did you bring over uh, an old distiller from Puerto Rico to help you get started? Yes, we did. We brought over my uncle. Um, I'm actually named, I'm, I'm named after my grandfather, but he says I'm named after him. Um, we're both Ralph Rafael. So yes, he's a longtime moonshiner over, you know, over 60 years moonshine in Puerto Rico. We had the privilege to have him in New York City for the first five years from the from the inception of PMD to the um like the first year of us actually distilling in our copper pot because before that we used to actually distill before we turn on the copper pot um we actually distilled in like an old moonshine still which is still at the distillery so if you come over for a tour a tasting um you would see that old still there and give us a so where are you in the Bronx just tell everyone how to find you because this is pretty exciting. Um, so we're Port Morris Distillery, or, or people know us PMD, or they know the Pitoro Bar. Just Google us, um, you'll find us. Um, we're in the South Bronx. We're located right under the Triborough Bridge. So um, we're the furthest south of the Bronx you can get, 133rd Street. So it's 780 East, 133rd Street, Bronx, New York, 10454. Or just um, follow us on social media. All social media pa- platforms will be PMD Pitoro or um, Port Morris Distillery. Hey, hey! Uh, I also think it's worth mentioning. Uh, not only is it a beautiful craft spirit um, that they make, it's it's the only Pitoro uh, distillery in America, if I'm not mistaken, right, Ralph? Um, as of now, um, we actually we didn't have, but someone um just opened up another one in Maryland, so we have to definitely give them their shout outs. Is okay. is a husband and wife team. Um, I don't know their names. Um, off the top of my head. But um, they're definitely on social media. They're actually called um, Puerto Rico Distillery. We have no um, this um, we're not attached to them or any way. But as Joel and Matt know me, um, I give everybody shots out a shout out. So um, they actually reached out to us that they were opening up this distillery. They asked us, um, you know, would we mind if they can use the word we throw on that bottle? We were like, absolutely not. It's a word for all of us, for the public, for Puerto Ricans. So they're actually the second distillery in, in the mainland that's actually doing Pitoro. Okay. Well, in my in my heart, you're still the only one. Oh, you're the first. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, man. <laughs> we're we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. This episode is brought to you by Route 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Route 11 dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. 
Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate, an incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Route 11 potato chips believe comfort food can be just that. Know where your food comes from. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're talking about the new, the Palante, Palante uh, collab with uh, some of our Bronx friends and Big Alice Brewing. And uh, we're in our second session now. I want to give a shout out to Ralph from Port Morris Distilling in the Bronx and Cesar from Craft Culture in Ridgewood, Queens, who are on the first half. So now we're on the second half now. I'm still here with, with Joelle and Matt from Uptown Beer Society. Kelly from Big Alice Brewing and Anthony and Paul Ramirez of the Bronx Beer Hall have joined. So let's do it this time. Everyone, uh, just say their name and, and where they work just briefly so we've got everybody's name. My name is Joel Suarez. I'm co-founder of Uptown Beer Society. I also bartend and do a beer pro- program at Tapman 307 in Gramercy and bartend in Circa Brewing in downtown Brooklyn. Hey, I'm Matt Negron. I am one of the co-founders of Uptown Beer Society, also one of the top bar guys in the Grand Delancey. My name is Kelly Coffey. I work as a beer tender at Big Alice Brewing. My name is Anthony Ramirez II. I'm co-owner at the Bronx Beer Hall from the Bronx, uh, Taste of the Bronx, and Mainland Media. My name is Paul Ramirez. I'm co-owner at the Bronx Beer Hall from the Bronx, Taste of the Bronx, and Mainland Media. So the first half, we, we, uh, we set the stage for this great collab. I mean, you guys have done so many things. You know, let me just, Joel and Matt, you know, you guys have had several uh, Bronx Culture Series collabs, um, and this is a new one with Kelly. So, Kelly, earlier you said that Anthony had helped inspire you with the name, the Palante, moving, you know, move forward. Um, let's talk about that again. Anthony, just tell us how you heard about the project, how you got involved, how you helped name it. Give us your perspective on this, this beer. Um, sure. So, you know, we've worked with, uh, the guys at Uptown Beer Society now on, well, three, three beers outside of this one, well, actually four beers, I think, right guys? It's a handful. I'm losing track. Oh, it's <laughs> a lot. It's like a lot. Rock we've worked with, yeah, it's, it's like 10 with y'all. Yeah. So, so, but we've been working together, yeah, on several beers and there, there are many, many to list and name. And, um, so obviously when, when the opportunity came up to work with them again on another beer, uh, we jumped at it. It's a no-brainer. You know, we're, we're Bronx guys. We, we're um, proud Puerto Rican guys. We are all about our communities. And it was just another opportunity to showcase what makes us special and, and share it with the beer community. And when we were doing the naming process, I mean, you saw the photos earlier. Um, I think Jimmy said I looked like I was at a Texas barbecue or something. <laughs> um, and... You know, you could tell there's camaraderie there. There's, there's, uh, we were there to have to celebrate um, our friendship and our culture. And Palante, you know, uh, I, we all had a bunch of different input on the names, but I think that's the one that went out because it's moving forward. And Puerto Rico has been a, through a lot in the past couple of years um, under this uh, administration, you know, where we had to fight to even be considered members of the United States. We had to be, to fight to be, um, 
considered for assistance when there were hurricanes on the island and earthquakes and all that. So um, no matter what, we are resilient people and we're moving forward. And that was kind of the theme of the of the project. Great. And then all that, you know, Bronx culture, Puerto Rican culture, what is Boricua? How do I... Boricua. Boricua. I, I think... I think we should all say it one time, yeah, exactly. one good time. Exactly. Boricua. Boricua. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Anthony, you're the culture guy, so tell, tell us what Boricua is. <laughs> sure. Um, Boricua, I, I don't know where I became the culture guy, but that's cool. Boricua, um, as far as I remember, um, is the name of Puerto Rico's uh, indig- uh, indigenous Indians, the Taino, um, that they gave to the island. And um, for the literal translation, I believe it's something along the lines of valiant or valiant people, but um, someone else may have to help me out on that. Well, I mean, you know, we, we definitely know that Boricua is, is, it resonates hard, especially here in the United States. Um, if you were to even Google it, it's just straight up Puerto Ricans that live in the U.S. Uh, and it's something that we, we say definitely to identify one another. Um, definitely something that we say to uh, to give a, an over an uh, overarching like um, name just for for our people. So, I mean, you hear it when the parades are coming, you hear it in the streets, you know, you hear it when Spanish music just comes on in a party, you know, somebody just screams Boricua over the microphone and everybody wilds out for it, you know? That's great. Yeah, it was Boricua before the Spanish uh, conquistadors came in. Hunter-gatherers. But yeah. No, tell me more. You can go deeper, guys, because this has been like the collaborations you guys have been doing. I know that especially Matt and Joel and Anthony and Paul – it, you know, you are trying to define who you guys are, what your community is in the context of New York City and beer and hospitality in ways that no one else is. So let I want to go through each one of you. Joel, Matt, Kelly, and Anthony and Paul. And you will tell me how you see, you know, with Boricua, you know, how it influences your role in your industry and, you know, other things you want to tell me. Yeah, so, um, well, even from the beginning, from the first collaboration, we did Dominican, you know, inspired beers, and we kind of wanted to do Puerto Rican, and, you know, down the line, we want to do everything. We want to do Haitian, we want to do Jamaican, we want to do, we want to involve all the cultures that are underrepresented in New York City, especially when breweries are using uh, fancy names that come from the cultures and not involving the people, not giving back. Um, You know, there's been several beers, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to call anybody out, but there's been several Coquito beers, no proceeds being given. There's been several Spanish. There's been several like Bronx, New York hip hop lingos. We all know the story and nothing, no one has been involved. No one has been given back. So even, you know, when we're involved, we make sure that the brewery is given back somehow to our communities or to an organization that can help, um, especially what was going on in Puerto Rico. We saw what was going on and we wanted to do something to help. Um, and now you can see uh, today, there's a lot of people standing up for their cultures, their community. We have the whole Black Lives uh, Matter movement, which is, you know, all of that has been our thesis since day one, you know. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely are always inspired by the things that we grew up with and grew around. And, you know, Boricua culture is one of those things, Bronx culture, hip hop culture. And, and really, uh, so much of the world's culture is influenced by uh, Boricua culture in many ways that people don't actually realize. Um, and it's, it's a super, I mean, if you're from New York city, like Puerto Rican culture is almost synonymous with like New York city culture in, in, in some ways, uh, there's actually more Puerto Ricans in New York than there are in Puerto Rico. 
Um, I'm one of those. And uh, yeah, we, we always just try to like really <laughs> be true to ourselves and represent what is what is true to us. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it's definitely it feels good to be connected to so many awesome things. So why not, you know, be proud and celebrate that. And Kelly? just want to get everyone to take have their take on it. Boricua, um, growing up in Puerto Rico and originally from New York, my dad's family is Irish. My mom's family is Puerto Rican. For me, the purpose is always just to remind people that my sister and I as white Latinas are products of friendship and love that go back over 60 years when it was not accepted. Um, we are, we are united by that. Um, and it really just means it's exactly what, um, was said earlier that people don't really understand how deep rooted the Puerto Rican culture is in everyday New York life. And, and it, it spreads. It's not just here. It's in Florida. It's in California. Um, and we're, I'm here to just kind of bring awareness and attention to Puerto Ricans and what's happening. And then Paul. Hey, how you doing? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm exactly what Kelly said. You know, Puerto Ricans are everywhere, you know, and our, our culture runs deep. And, uh, you know, salsa is something that started uh, here predominantly in the Bronx, but has uh, resonates, you know, through all of Latin America and through all over the world. Um, and it's a culture that's, you know, meant to be respected. Um, you know, it's very deep. Our, our, it goes it goes goes all the way back to the 1400s. And, uh, you know, it's something that like nowadays, um, Puerto Rican culture is synonymous with, like she said, with New York City. I mean, there's there's a um, a huge population of Puerto Ricans in Montana. They call themselves Montericans, you know, so we're, we're everywhere and we've spread everywhere. And uh, we're just here to uh, to make sure that we, we, we represent that properly. And Anthony. Yeah, I think I think I said it at the top. Um, I we're, we we are we're here to because of the love we have for our culture and for our community. And it's um, something that we're incredibly proud of and it resonates in everything that we do. And, you know, like all, like everyone has said so far, I mean, the East Coast, if you're Spanish, if you tell someone you're Spanish on the East Coast, they assume you're Puerto Rican. If you tell them you're Spanish on the West Coast, they assume you're Mexican and Puerto Ricans are all, you know, are now infiltrating even the middle America and the West Coast, we're everywhere. And, and we, um, and people only know uh, and people don't know everything there is to know about us. They know that, you know, our, our, they know that we're a commonwealth. They're not, some people aren't even sure if we're citizens or if we are citizens. And that becomes like some, another sticking point. And so really everything that we do is working to raise awareness, let people know that we're here, that, that um, we're not going anywhere and we matter. And no matter what happens, we're moving forward. So. And in New York, there's a lot of history about, you know, Puerto Rico as, as whether it was going to be independent or a state. If if I had been born in Puerto Rico, could I run for president? Yes, yes. you're an American citizen. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You're an American. You get citizen. an American passport. You use American money. You can enroll in the American military. That American military is who's protecting the island. And yeah, of course. Mark you can Anthony be said it best. Be He's as Puerto Rican as American pie. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> is that what he said? He said something. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you. I mean, you guys have you guys have educated me a lot over the last couple of years. But it's also like, yeah, with the Black Lives Matters, I think we've just we're trying to get everyone's voice to to really come out more because I feel like that every culture has a story. But you guys are are teaching me a little, so it's Boricua, right? Boricua. Yes, yeah. yeah, perfect. Boricua. 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 You got to say it with some attitude. You got to throw some sass in there. Yeah, definitely, Jimmy. You got more sass than that. Boricua. 
So let's go to the other. You're a sassy let's go dude. to the other projects. Get me in safe ground. Um, let's go. So the ones you did, the ones recently this summer, Joel. Tell me about the the other summer projects you guys launched. So um, yeah. So around last summer, fall, uh, I chopped it up with Dave from Gun Hill Brewery. And he wanted to collaborate. He's like, why? I saw him at the brewery. He's like, why haven't we done a beer with you and Bronx Beer Hall? And you, he meant Uptown Beer Society and Bronx Beer Hall. And I'm like, I don't know, because we wanted to do our first beer with you. So he's like, all right, come up with some ideas. We'll put something in the calendar. So I came up with three ideas that I pitched him. And he wanted to do all three. So I was like, awesome. I was like, let's make it a Bronx culture series. And let's involve four big Bronx brands. And that's why, you know, the first two um, were involved with First Borough Brewing, which was a home brewery. They couldn't really make this last one. Um, Beer Culture, which wrote a book called The Beer That You Ain't Used To. He also has a clothing brand. Um, shout out to Beer Culture. Bronx Beer Hall being the actual brick and mortar in the Bronx, which has done a lot, not only for craft beer and put, you know, people of color onto craft beer, but they've kind of made you want to get into beer just by involving the other cultural elements, whether it's dance parties, you know, exhibits, pop-ups, et cetera, um, even with Taste of the Bronx. And um, from the Bronx, they do a lot of like um, pop-ups with different brands and just a, a lot of sharing resources. So we spearheaded it with the Mama's Candy Yams because we wanted to make like a pumpkin festive uh, beer, but we didn't really, you know, everybody knows pumpkin, so... We draw inspiration from Matthew's mother, which was the Mama's Candy Yams. And we put all three moms, all three different colors on the can. Um, then, you know, we were we really wanted to be quiet about the Mr. Stouty one because we didn't want nobody to bite that shit. It always happens when I say something, somebody takes an idea and I'm just like, damn, you didn't even do it right. So thankfully, you know, thanks to Paul and Anthony, actually, they were the ones that, you know, visited Mr. Softy, tried emailed them they got mr softy on board because we don't want to just do an idea and steal somebody's intellectual property we want to give you a shout out you know we don't want to make money off your name we want to make money off of what we know what's from our culture what we can represent and we want you to give you the respect to put you on the can and be like you approve this so they gave us their logos they sent us everything um and then the third one i mean by quarantine had already hit by mr stouty and it was just like damn how are we going to sell this? Blah, blah, blah. But people actually went to the brewery and the Bronx Beer Hall because they needed beer. Like they were home. They were on unemployed. They had unemployment checks. They want to spend money. They want to support. Um, with the last one too, um, Paul and Anthony, again, their relationship with Delicioso Cocolado, which is, you know, known for their IC carts around New York City, not only in the Bronx, but in Brooklyn and Queens. I've seen them all over, you know, underserved neighborhoods. you got that one guy or woman in the corner with a little fanny pack serving you an affordable icy. Um, they use all natural like uh, fruits for their stuff. They've been on Vice. They're just, uh, you know, between them and Mr. Softy, they're in the Bronx producing and they're just very inspirational to our childhood and, you know, to our children's childhood that are going out. So we involved them. They were down. Oh, yeah. So we, we've we covered on the show in the last year, we covered Mama's Candy Yams. We covered Miss, Mr. Stouty. Um, let's just go. So Anthony or Paul... Just tell us that how you guys reached out to and the contact you made with with the Mr. Softy people, because um, that is important. What, what Joel said that you're you're including them. 
Sure, I'll start with Mr. Softy, and, and Paul can talk about um, uh, Delicioso Coco. But uh, we, uh, Mr. Softy, you know, it, like everything, like everything good and evil, it starts on Instagram. And um, we had, you know, uh, we had, we had, so we run a couple of Instagram pages. We run, we run from the Bronx, Bronx Beer Hall and Taste of the Bronx. And we're always putting up, like Joel said, we're always putting things up from our community, things from that remind us of our childhoods and pe- that make people nostalgic. And one of those things is Mr. Softy trucks. So we posted tons of pictures of Mr. Softy during the summer months and people holding their ice cream cones and have tagged them and started sort of a relationship back and forth, just DMing on Instagram. Nothing dirty, just ice cream. And um, after, you know, when we came, when we started talking about the idea to make the beer, we hit him up and uh, was able through our through our through our Instagram contact got in touch with Jim Conway, who's the vice president um, of Mr. Softy and the son of the original owner. And you know, was after a couple of emails, was able to get him on the phone, and he loved the idea. I don't think he, you know, at first he was kind of like, "Wait, you're gonna do what? You're gonna make ice cream beer? I don't get it." Um, but after you know telling him the story of the beer hall telling him about uptown beer society and about the gun hill brewery and first borough um you know he started to see what our what our vision was and he was kind of uh he was a little bit flattered and he said you know uh you guys have my blessing whatever you come up with i'm sure it's going to be great um just you know i'd love to taste some when it gets released and that was that was pretty much it you know he i mean we were able to get some uh, ice cream some cones some sprinkles for the for the brew uh but other than that, you know, he was kind of let us let us do our own thing. So now, Paul, let's go to the new one because this is a we're covering a lot today. So the new one, the the delicioso coco release. <laughs> delicioso coco helado, delicioso coco helado is a uh, is a is a Bronx staple. Um, they you know they have a facility on 161st Street and uh, St. Anne's Avenue in the Bronx. They've been there since 1960. Uh, bought the building in 1960. Opened the facility in 1966. Uh, the business existed well before that. But um, as Bronxites and as New Yorkers, it's something that you you know you automatically associate with summertime. Right? It's one of those things. The same way that you wait for that Mr. Softy jingle uh, to be coming down your block, it's the same thing. When you see when you see a vendor selling. Uh, coco helado you're gonna stop and you're, you're gonna get you know whatever flavor it is you want and one of the most popular flavors is mixing all three when you get the cherry coco mango and um that's really uh the i'm sorry the coco cherry mango that's really a big deal for us uh, as bronxites and as boricuas i think you know i think latino culture uh we like our we like our our desserts and we like our, our refreshment and, and we like it sweet we like it sugary and um that's something that they do um really well so uh when joel came up with the idea uh, for us again you know working with uptown beer society is always a no-brainer um you know it it seemed like it's it's something that resonates really really well with bronxites um really well with new york uh, and latinos across the board um you know so i reached out and uh you know they were like anthony said they were um same thing with mr softy they were very um they were happy to work with us. They were happy for the idea. They were happy to get some brand recognition on something other than uh, their actual um, cocos and the actual, you know, the, the carts that walk through the street. Uh, they really see that as just furthering their image and, and furthering uh, their reach overall. So, uh, you know, they jumped on board with it. Uh, her father, um, Sophia, was my contact there. Her father started the company on his own. He actually went to Puerto Rico. Um, he's, he's Honduran, uh, married to a Puerto Rican woman, went to Puerto Rico somewhere in the mid 50s. She said, I think she said 1956, um, had a coco helado in Puerto Rico and was like, we need this in New York. 
and he came back on a mission and he created uh, he created his brand. It's now over 50 years strong. Uh, and like we said, a Bronx, New York staple. And so you were able to, you know, modify the logos and, and use the name in, in the in the packaging yeah. and everything. No, yeah. no, yeah, no, no need to modify the logos. You know, we use their logo. Um, you know, it's a, they they completely approved of it. Uh, one of the biggest stipulations actually in creating it was that you know we kept true to the uh, to the cart design that her father made in the 1950s. He's the one who decided this is what my carts look like. The green had to be his green, uh, and you know we replicated that in the can, and and it's been a, it just came out last Friday, uh, but it's been a big hit. You know, a big hit for for Bronxites across the board, a big hit for Latinos and New Yorkers, you know, and, and beer drinkers, and beer, and beer drinkers, drinkers. Yes. <laughs> and even and, but, and even and even non beer drinkers, and that's the big plus. Even non beer drinkers. That's right. That's right. Okay, um, just one more thing. I got Paul on. Uh, both Paul and Anthony, you know, you guys are are standouts to me, partly because at Bronx Beer Hall, you guys have been good beer seal bars going way back. But you're you're more than that, um, Paul. How do you interact with? You know the Bronx in general. What what other things are you involved in, and and what's what's your vision for for what the Bronx should be or is? I mean, how do I interact with it? I am the Bronx, bro. That's how I see it, you know, and then everything that that's BX, uh, it runs through our veins. You know, we were born and raised here. My entire education was here from elementary school straight through my college degrees, uh, as well as the education I received outside of a classroom, you know, just on the streets of the BX. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people have negative negative stigma attached to the to the what the Bronx is. And and, you know, they're really thinking about our past. They're thinking about the 70s and they're thinking about the when the Bronx was burning and the crack epidemic. And we're really here just to show them that that's that's all behind us you know and the same thing when we say palante like we're always moving forward never backwards like there's no reason for that and uh now we're in position you know where we where we do have several businesses that um really uphold uh the 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 concept or the idea of raising the image of the borough and just pushing it further you know it's it's about awareness uh there's a lot of things to be proud of in the bronx and if if you know i always say if hip-hop is a billion dollar industry and it started right here on our streets then how come people aren't paying attention to what we're doing today yeah and I, I remember years ago when i first went up to the bronx and you guys you guys were part of a you were serving beer at a, a cultural event at the bronx museum um so that's right yeah so if you want to give any more shout outs to, to some of the, those projects you work with. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, go ahead, Anthony. Yeah, Anthony can drop it. Yeah, I mean, we have tons of projects to work with. So our most recent one. So when you met us first, we were at the Bronx Museum and we were doing like a uh, we were donating our time and donating some beer um, for a event featuring local vendors and local businesses um, as Bronx business owners for the past 16 years or something like that. Um, we now. Um, our most recent business, Taste of the Bronx, is a partnership with another Bronx company called Sustainable Snacks. And it really it exists to help small business owners get out and reach their audiences within the borough. So, you know, it's not, we know how, how difficult it is to start your own business. We know how difficult it is to get the word out about what you're doing. And so after, you know, like I said, years, 16 years of doing this, we wanted to help other people who were just starting on their path to, to opening and running businesses. So Taste of the Bronx before COVID was a monthly pop-up market um, where we would feature 20 to 25 vendors. 
um, one of which uh, we did a beer release with Uptown Beer Society, Gun Hill and First Borough Brewing. And it's also a um, quarterly subscription box where we feature five to six different businesses, um, each box, all different. I mean, from food vendors to T-shirts to um, wood woodworkers and, every, and everything in between. So, again, it's, uh, it's not just about our businesses. It's about our community and it's about the people um, who live in our community, who work in our community, and we're just trying to give them a hand. And as of last month, we shipped out about 250 to 300 Taste of the Bronx boxes um, across the U.S. Like Joel said, people are home, they're not working, and I guess they're shopping online. So uh, it, was a, it was a good time to help these businesses spread the word about what they're doing. Let's go back to the beer. So, um, so Matt... You know, um, how did I know we talked about Mr. Stouty before? We know that was a stout. We talked about that project, but this new one, the 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 cocoa beer, it's a sour. Tell us how you imagine this coming together. You know, as a beer guy, how would you describe this beer to me? Yeah, I mean, so it's a it's a fruited sour. So we we had this in mind for the summer just because. You know, Berliner Weisses are, are ideal for, you know, when it's hot out and you want something kind of refreshing and, and you know, sometimes sour and sweet. Um, so that was, you know, that, that worked very perfectly in theme with the uh, summer series and the fruited series. Um, and, and then, you know, me personally, I love like really nuanced lagers and like geeky beers. But I, we like Uptown Beer Society, we love making things that are for everyone and kind of fun and connects two different worlds that necessarily aren't connected so for us we're always like kind of looking to do things that are like fun like this and and accessible and recognizable and relatable great and now now joelle you give us the whole story the 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 latest release you you tell us how it came together and everyone involved um yeah it was the last one uh we couldn't really be at the brewery physically just because of the covid stuff so we had a lot of phone calls a lot of texting a lot of emailing a lot of sourcing a lot of plugins um shout out to fuzz the bear on instagram which is a dominican bronx site who does all the artwork for their cans and our collabo cans i also did an exhibit all dominican exhibit where he hung some of his contemporary art which was amazing um and then you know coco cherry mango really a lot a lot of the guys at the carts they say it a little different they might say mango coco cherry like you know there's different variations but the one that i remember the most was coco cherry mango like so that was the name you know we put a little vanilla coconut we put the cherries the mango um and it was released on friday and uh you know they blew out a bunch of beer they're just now doing deliveries. I believe they began today. Gunhill sent the beer out. So if you do want beer, you would have to reach out to Gunhill Brewery and Bronx Beer Hall if they still have. Um, I don't know. They did really. It was. I sent a lot. I had a lot of DMs in my inbox, and I was just like Bronx Beer Hall, Bronx Beer Hall, Bronx Beer Hall. So um, I hope you guys did all well with that. It's fun. This is probably going to be the last collabo that we're doing as a nonprofit. We're trying to, you know, move forward and raise some money. So please follow us on Instagram, Uptown Beer Society for more info. We're dropping merch this summer to kind of help fund our business, our brewery venture, so we can, you know, start reaching a little more closer to our communities and doing more. And it's just been fun. It's 15 collabs. We got one more coming out with Ty from Uptown Beer Society. He's doing a Black Lives Matter thing with Rockaway and uh, Biscuits and Beer. 
which has a brewery inside the uh, brick and mortar as well called Dalesview. And that'll probably be the last one until, you know, we figure out our business. I also wanted to uh, just give a quick, uh, you know, explanation of the name in case it goes over anyone's head. So Mr. Mr. Softy has a very famous jingle that it plays when it, you know, pulls up to the block. It's super recognizable. Everyone's heard it before. Uh, so these IC vendors actually don't have a, a jingle exactly, but they all, like Joel said, they'll shout out the names of the flavors. And the one that we remembered was the coco, cherry, mango. So this is something that they actually would shout out over and over and over again on a block, you know, to get people's attention. And uh, yeah, so that's actually where the name idea comes from. It was a homage to them and, and that like that phrase. Coco, cherry, mango. Exactly. exactly. Oh, you killed it. Look that at was that. perfect. <laughs> you, you, if this doesn't work out for you, Jimmy, maybe you can uh, push one of those cards. <laughs> yeah. well, I got. It, I definitely. I got the plug for you, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah we definitely got you a card. I, I might need it because in in this simple. I was gonna. I'm not gonna talk about it now, but you know, in this simple uh, COVID COVID life, I like the idea of standing there and serving ice on the street and yeah, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Just talking to people because that's that's one of my when i see a vendor like that i i'm going i'm going for that first and yeah. I, i'm and I, am i i'm i think i'm a coconut guy i would go cocoa first so delicious oh, yeah. um so delicious. yeah well this, oh, we this forgot, is a great show we what, forgot go to for mention it. that it's, it's cocoa cherry mango and then proceeds will go to rainbow which uh we'll be donating some proceeds to lgbt org um because yeah, you know, honor of pride it month. was supposed to con yeah it was supposed to come out in june but with everything we're you know it doesn't matter what month it is we always want to give back and pay homage to all our communities our trans women of color that are going through it you know the whole lgbt a lot of people don't know that you know that rainbow flag all all those rights that were fought were fought by a black trans woman and so when you went wear that rainbow and you're you know marching always remember that it started with black people it started with black queer people and um, we just want to pay homage to that as well. You know, having queer members in our team and in, in our industry as well, especially people of color that are also queer and from underserved neighborhoods. So this meant a lot to us. Well, it's great, man. You, you guys have done a great job with these projects. And I go back to Kelly. Um, Kelly, just wrap us, wrap us for us one more time, the Palante uh, project. The purpose of Palante for me was always to bring awareness and attention to Puerto Rico and representing our rich, beautiful culture in this industry, not just in this city, but in the world. Boom. Boom. Thank you. Yeah. And and we've, we've, there seems to be so many really great beer collabs, uh, you know, what you guys have built on, you know, as everyone knows, the all together beer over 700 breweries around the world made it, I think. And then now the Black is Beautiful Stout. It's probably over 1,000 thousand breweries. So there's a lot of power in beer. Who would like to close the show out and tell me the power of these collaborations and for whatever message, how, 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 how it can be helpful? I would say this. If you're going to do something, you know, it's fine to come to New York. You don't have to be from here. I'm, that's, not, that's not what we mean. You don't have to be from New York to live here. You don't have to be from our culture. But at some point, when you come into somebody's neighborhood and you start a business, you have to check yourself and say, what am I representing? Who am I representing? Who will I involve? You can't just go to your corner bodega, have some natural juices or whatever food they have, and go make a beer inspired by that and not involve them. See, what we do is we come up with an idea that is strictly authentic to us. 
And we still involve the people around us. We still involve the creators. We don't take anyone's intellectual property. And I feel like that's what beer is missing. So like, if you're going to make a beer, donate, literally donate your time and ingredients. And then the proceeds can, a large percent of the proceeds can go to an, you know, underserved community, person of color, Black Lives Matter organization. We need a lot of these breweries to step up. Also, Black is beautiful. I only seen one or two. What's going on, New York? If you're trying to do that, reach out to your Black customers, reach out to the Black people and you ask them for their opinion. Ask them where they stand. They're going to guide you. Don't try to do this alone is what I'm saying. Or don't do it. Do what is organic to you. You know what I'm saying? That's all I have to say. And thank you, Jimmy, for always supporting us and always giving us a voice on Beer Sessions Radio. We love you. Um, you're definitely one of the allies and coolest people I know. Shout out to Bronx Beer Hall. Shout out to Beer Culture. Shout out to Gun Hell for all the projects. Thank you so much, Kelly, for giving us a call and involving all of us. And Big Alice, best communicating brewery that we had when we're doing a collab. Oh, we're, oh, we're so proud of the artwork as well that we didn't mention. There's an endangered species on there, the parrot, the native bird, which it just tied in all beautifully. Friends of Puerto Rico, Delicioso Cocolado, Miss Softy, everybody. Thank you. Boom. Wow. You, you guys have been great, man. Thank you so much for joining me. At this the second half, it's been Kelly from Big Alice. Anthony and Paul from Bronx Beer Hall, and Matt and Joel from Uptown Beer Society. Um, big thanks to Dylan, our producer, Dylan Hoyer, and Matt Patterson, the the, the, the main engineer. We're, do, we're continuing to do our remote. This is like our fourth month of doing, uh, during COVID, remote recordings from wherever we are. We're from all over this, the region right now. And, and big shout-out to Heritage Radio Network for keeping this going. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio is supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.